Hey guys, I'm pumped to go into another podcast today. We're going to be talking about five quotes from Simon Sinek that I think will make you a better leader. In today's short uh, episode, I just wanted to talk about five quotes from somebody that I've been following for, uh, I don't know, a couple years, and I'm sure you have too, but these are five uh, of his quotes that he's been uh, talking through and maybe uh, like a seminar or on his channels, whatever platforms. So if you haven't heard of Simon Sinek, he's a brilliant leader. I think he's um, the next generation, which I do not like that statement, but like the next John Maxwell, if you if you would say that. I think there's always kind of a primary voice that we look for in leadership when we are uh, all looking to grow, and I think he is it. So I just wanted to uh, talk through five of his quotes that I think are profound, uh, specifically in the church space. So this one will be a lot about the church um, and just my experience in the church because obviously that's my background. So I'm going to talk about um, how these how these correlate. Maybe um, and again they can they speak to you no matter if you're in the church or not. But let's let's dive into it and uh, like like always make sure to like and subscribe to this. Uh, if you're watching this, it's a YouTube channel. If you're listening to this, it's the pod um, on the podcast. Make sure to um, subscribe to the channel. Seriously, it means the world to me. And the more you do that, the more we can continue to make these. So let's dive in the top quotes um, in my in my personal opinion. So number one, the true value of networking doesn't come from how many people we can meet, but rather how many people we introduce to others. I think this is so profound. This is such a brilliant thought that I think we all talk through. Uh, maybe in our experiences, we we think in our minds, this is the best case scenario, but I don't know if we practically live this out, including myself. So let's just kind of dive through, um, go a little deeper into the statement. So it says, the true voice of networking doesn't come from how many people we can meet. So the, the value of networking, the value of relationships actually isn't about how many people you know, but rather how many people we can introduce to others. In the church space, I think networking in itself can become toxic really quick when it's about connecting with the right person at the right time, the right pastor, the right preacher, whatever it is. The value of your relationships, the value of your network, which we all know this famous quote, right? Then your network is your net worth. Uh, I don't know about all that. I think your net worth is your your circle, right? And in order for you to have an effective network of brilliant thinkers, of entrepreneurs, of builders, of achievers, it isn't going to come from you squeezing your way in to get into the right circles. It just isn't. What it's going to do is it's going to be built through you having integrity in your relationships. So what would happen if your whole life was about connecting other people with each other? Like you were literally just the plug-in. You were the person over here. You're like, I hey, mean, this guy's really funny, and this person loves comedy. Maybe we should connect them. They, these guys love movies. Let's connect these guys. Let's, and it's not out of a manipulative way, but it's out of, man, I know the power of connection. I know the power of relationships. And in my experience, the people who know how to connect others with other people always have the best quality of friendships because the principle in this is serving others. 
I'm going to serve you by connecting you with somebody that I think you guys would connect well, I think you'd click well, maybe you guys would be able to get coffee and hang out and be able to be that connector. The connector always wins. If your goal is, man, I just need to meet with this person. I've heard this before. Don't get me started. I, I had somebody message me on Instagram saying, hey, man, I feel like Francis Chan has a word for, from God for me. Can you connect me with him? Don't be that guy. Please do not be that guy. That is not that is not uh, fruitful. It's a little weird, to be honest. Um, so, I, by the way, they, my answer to him was uh, I sent him a book of Francis Chan because that's what the book is for. So the value, I'll, I'll read it again and we'll move on to the next one. Uh, the, the true value of networking doesn't come from how many people we can meet, but rather how many people we can introduce to others. So be a connector. Don't be a hoarder with your relationships or your friends. Be a brilliant connector. Have a goal. Every week, I need to connect one person to one other person, and I win. So that's number one. Number two, this is my favorite one out of the five. Be weary of those who speak a lot but say a little. Yikes, right? There are so many people who say so much, but they say very little. AKA, the quantity of what they're communicating is a lot, but the quality or the effectiveness or the weight behind their words is zero. I see this all the time. I actually having coffee with one of my friends this morning, and we were talking about um, – I brought up the fact that preachers just know what to say. If you've been in the church space long enough, you know the repetitive nature and communication. You know the right things to say at the right time of the service to be able to raise a room, to be effective. But the reality is I don't actually think that's effective. I think it's disingenuine because your goal at that point is to – Get people to like what you're communicating. And the point of communication is for someone to be able to listen to you and to apply it. And effective communication comes from you understanding what you're communicating so much so that you could communicate it to one or 1,000, and they would be able to right afterwards say, hey, when you said this, that meant the world to me. I know I communicated effectively when they get done with a video, when I get done with a message, when I get done with anything, and somebody can in one sentence tell me what I said. I might have talked for 30 minutes, but if they could say it in one sentence, I know I was effective. So just be weary of those people who, who ramble a lot, who talk a lot, when they preach or communicate, they just go on these tangents and don't necessarily have anything really of density to communicate. And it usually, honestly, this is my observation, it comes from them copying other people's messages. When somebody copies a message or copies what God spoke to somebody else, what ends up happening is they know how to drive emotion. So throughout the sermon, you'll see them drive emotion versus drive the word or drive what God spoke to them. Because when God actually speaks to you and you communicate that to other people, it is profound. I want to shout out my pastor at New Life Community Church, Pastor Steve Abraham. His messages, there is weight and density to it because he doesn't just say a lot to just say it. He doesn't just have a nice message with like fancy quotes, which all that stuff is cool. But he, what he does, you can tell he reads the word of God and asks himself, what is God speaking to me about this? And then he transfers it into the congregation or the church. So be wary of those who speak a lot, but say a little, man. 
I totally agree with this. I think there's people right now, there's noise, noise, noise everywhere. There's blogs being written about other people. There's social media experts who have been in the game for six months. And again, I think that's actually really a value. Don't be the person who says, I've only been in the space for two months. I can't share. That person is the problem. The problem is the person who's been in the game for 40 years and knows how to drive emotion versus drive change or to initiate a response, not a reaction. A reaction is just default. Like it instantly happens and you get excited. Uh, a response is I understand what you're saying and I'm going to change. So a, a brilliant leader drives change. A fake person wants reactions. So be weary of those who speak a lot but say a little. Number three, a mentor is not someone who walks ahead of us and tells us how they did it. A mentor is someone who walks alongside us to guide us on what we can do. Man, oh man, if this doesn't describe the proper discipleship journey, I don't know what is. Like a, a, a leader, a mentor, a pastor, it's not somebody who's walks 20 steps ahead of their congregation or community to just say, hey, this is what I did. Do it like I did. It's not, that's not going to be effective. Nobody's going to listen to you. And if they do, they're going to burn out in six months. A mentor is someone who walks alongside us to guide us on what we can do. You got to be able to walk alongside people. The journey, I always heard this illustration and it never uh, hit me in the right spot i actually i didn't agree with it at all it's like i just need to be one step ahead of people to be able to lead them no you don't you need to be next to them and honestly most of the time when you're an effective leader and leading amazing people you're actually behind them a little bit and that's okay because a leader isn't supposed to have it all put together a leader isn't supposed to be the solution to everything you're supposed to help facilitate others to think in solutions so a mentor if you want to be a great mentor I don't care if you're 12 or you're 104, be a person who can walk the journey with people. Be a person who invites people over to your house to see the real you. Be a person who goes out to dinner and doesn't have it all put together. You don't have to have your best outfit every single time. You don't have to, you don't have to be put together all the time because it's just not, it's just not real life. And people want to be around people who live real lives because it's just, it just isn't going to work. So if you want to, and if you don't have a mentor and you're looking for somebody, don't look for somebody who has it all together because they're lying. And if you want to learn from a liar and become a liar, have a mentor that's a liar. And if you want to be around people who are winners, who achieve great success, maybe it's an entrepreneur space, the church space, whatever, be around people who are just themselves. They're so comfortable in their skin. They don't have to fake it. They don't have to fake it till they made it. They made it because they were real. They were themselves and they are developing as we speak. So be a person who walks alongside us to guide us. It's a partnership like next to you, literally walking with you versus being ahead. Don't be, don't go ahead of your people. You're going to leave them in the dust and you'll turn around and there'll be nobody there. So be somebody who knows how to walk along side with your people fourth strong leaders earn loyalty weak leaders demand it that's a truth bomb i wish i could drop this mic but 
If I can't, because it's locked in and that would be expensive. So strong leaders earn loyalty. Weak leaders demand it. If you want to be a strong leader, you need to earn it. Every piece of the pie is earned. I just did a podcast recently on honor. And that was the whole principle. Honor is not expected. It's earned. Loyalty is not expected. It's earned. Trust. Trust is not expected. It is earned. Every key principle in our lives is earned through consistency and persistence. So persistence says, I'm going to be persistent in everything I do. At 8 a.m. every single day, I'm going to text this person, man, I appreciate you. When I was getting into youth ministry, I don't know, a couple years ago anyways, it was uh, six years ago. I remember every Monday at 9 a.m. I would text all my students something I just appreciated about them, something that I loved about them. It became so consistent that they knew every – it would be Monday at 2, and they text me, hey, bro, you good? They would know my schedule. They would know how consistent I am. And it's not even about you. It's about earning loyalty to those people around you. But a weak leader demands things. You ever been around a really insecure boss who demands your respect, demands you call them sir, demands you to call them pastor? It just doesn't work, man. It's gross. It kind of creeps me out, to be honest. Strong leaders earn loyalty. You want to earn something? Be the best in the room. You're the leader for a reason. You started that business for a reason. Now be the person they can entrust. Be the person that is going to show up. On the bad days, you're the first person there, the last person to leave. That earns loyalty. What ends up happening is we expect loyalty. We expect respect, honor. And it doesn't work, guys. You got to be consistent, faithful. And it's not pretty, right? This isn't a sexy, pretty podcast talking about, hey, you want people to like you? Be consistent. But you got to earn it, just like anything else on the planet. Nothing is just given to you. If I demanded money at a bank, I'd be in jail. But if I earned it, if I worked really hard, I actually get it. It's my money. So I deserve it. Not Strong leaders earn loyalty. Weak leaders demand it. Do not de be a demanding leader. Be somebody who leads the way, leads the charge through serving and honesty. So last one, and then I'll just high point each one. We achieve more when we chase the dream instead of the competition. Have you ever experienced competition in the church? Yeah, you have. I guaranteed every single person listening to this under the sound of my voice has felt competition in the church. I don't care who you are. I don't care your title, your role, how much time you've been in the church. There is competition, and there shouldn't be. I always talk to my friend Landon about this. What, what that is, uh, and we can dive into it a little bit, but maybe I'll do a whole pod on competition in the church because I think it's disgusting. Um. What what competition? I mean, look at the baseline of what a competition is. Think about a track meet. I was in track in middle school and high school. Wasn't a fan, but I had to do it because of sports. My goal in a competition was to beat the other seven people in the track. And they might have been my friends other days of the week. But at that point, 
my expectation from my leaders or my coaches was you need to beat them at any cost. The reality is in the church, there are four or 500,000 churches in the United States of America. If your goal is to be better than another church, it isn't going to work. God will not appreciate you talking bad about his church, thinking bad about his church, wanting to beat his church, because you won't. God's building his church. We all are sinners. We all are broken. We all deserve absolutely nothing, literally nothing. Yet God, in his rich mercy, chose you to lead a church, to lead a team, to lead a youth ministry. And somewhere along the journey, you thought you were anything else besides a son or daughter. And when that identity shifts, it's a slippery slope because... Like it's the quote says, we achieve more when we chase the dream. You will achieve more if you put your head down and chase the thing God spoke to you about. And you don't have to share it with other people. You don't have to put it on social media. You don't need affirmation from your parents or your lead pastors. What you need is an obedient spirit and a faithful spirit. And again, that ain't pretty, but it beats being competitive, thinking I need to be better than other people. You know who you can be competitive against, which isn't a sin? Yourself. Be better than the version of yourself yesterday. Because when you become better version of yourself every single day, God looks at that and goes, man, that guy is working. He is being faithful. He is becoming better and aka becoming more like Jesus, not like yourself. You're going to achieve way more. And if, imagine if you've been part of that into a team of 10 people who are like, hey, we're not going to compete against each other. We're all going to share around this table the thing that you feel like God has put in your heart. And then the other nine of us every single day are going to hold you accountable to the thing you are doing and achieving. And you know how you beat this, by the way, if you are struggling with a competitiveness in your heart? This in itself, it's not bad. It's actually a superpower. Being competitive is great. Being an achiever is great. That stuff is a superpower, but when it's shifted towards other people, that's when it becomes bad. You know how you beat that? generosity generosity breaks it back agreed i say that all the time but it literally does the greed the pride the arrogance in your heart you know how you beat that generosity the person that you're super competitive against text them once a week telling them you are so incredible god has called you to do such incredible things hey here's 50 bucks go on a date night i don't i don't need anything back i don't want a reimbursement hey let me watch your kids and you go on a date night free we'll babysit no matter what that in itself, or if you're a church, sow into other churches. Sow into them in your city. You know, it doesn't need to be somebody that you bring in once a year to preach because you just want to be their friend. It's a church down the block that is a mile away, and you're thinking, dude, that guy's totally stealing people from my church. Well, more power to him. But you can't control them. You control your spirit. Sow into them. Hey, we want to give you $10,000. Sow into your church. No ifs, ands, or buts. We're doing it. We love you. We appreciate what God's doing in your church. You know what that'll do? That'll break things off of you. That'll break things off of the other church, the other friend, the other person, your friend group in high school. If anything, if you know anything, it's to be a generous person. So let's run through these five again. And I hope you write these down. 
reach out to Simon Sinek, DM him, tweet at him, say, man, that quote really impacted me. Thank you so much for saying this and living this. So the true value of networking doesn't come from how many people we can meet or how, rather how many people we can introduce to others. Be a connector. Two, be wary of those who speak a lot, but say a little. A mentor is not someone who walks ahead of us and tells us how they did it. A mentor is someone who walks alongside us to guide us on what we can do. Be a person who walks with your people, not ahead of them. Strong leaders earn loyalty. Weak leaders demand it. Don't demand people to do anything. You're not a dictator. We achieve more when we chase the dream instead of the competition. Be a person who chases the dream inside of your heart. Be the person who chases the vision inside of your heart. I'm reminded of Joseph in Genesis. So Joseph, he had dreams. He had dreams in his heart. He had dreams and visions. He shared it to the wrong people, aka his family and his brothers, and they tried to take him out. But at the end of the day, the dream was consistent in his heart. It happened, and then it came into fruition, and he showed the people who tried to kill him grace. That ain't a depiction of that quote. I don't know what it is. So be a person who is generous with your tongue, with your treasure, with your time, all of it. Be generous. So thank you so much for listening to this short podcast. Simon Sinek is a brilliant leader. I was excited to unpack these five. So I appreciate you a ton. Thank you for liking and watching this. Um, if you can, like I said, like and subscribe. It means the world to me. We're going to continue to put out this content as long as you guys want me to. So I appreciate it. We'll talk soon.